right, folks, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that sound because it means it's time for another edition of the Rec Poker Podcast. This is the forums edition, which means that just like every week, we're stealing we're stealing a forum post. Someone came in and wrote it for free because that's one of the great free perks of being a member at Rec Poker. You can go to rec.poker right now and sign up for a free membership. All it takes is an email address and a smile. And you can hang out with uh, me, all the other uh, great members at Rec Poker, not just premium members, not just Wrecking Crew members, but community members that just want to come listen to the podcast, post in the forums, play in the home games, watch the free YouTube videos, hang out on Discord, and all the other free stuff that you can do at Rec.Poker. So go get that account right now. Um, speaking of the crew, it takes a village to make everything happen that we do at Rec Poker. So I should thank our sponsors, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and of course, Website Mark over at Website Amp. Uh, I've got the best job in the world. My name is Jim Reed. I get to hang out here every week and talk to these folks about poker. Um, you, I'm Bluff Sterini in the home game. And if you want to find out more about me and the rest of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew. But don't take my word for it. Uh, gang, why don't you introduce yourselves? Uh, I'm Kim Kilroy. I'm Fergie 56 in the home games and um, Pet Vet or Pet Vet 33, just about everywhere else. I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Radman50, just about everywhere. <laughs> and uh, this week, we're joined by a couple premium members in the chat, John and Stuart. And we're also going to be looking at a post in our forums by first-time poster Stoyvind. So Stoyvind writes in and says uh, the, subject matter, the subject line is wrong shove. So it's the final table of a tournament at my local card room, says Stoyvind. Uh, 24 entries, five get paid. So there's nine players left, and I'm in the cutoff with ace-queen off, holding 14 big blinds. So the under-the-gun player raises to 2.5. We've only played a few hands with him earlier in the night. He seems inexperienced, at least in the way he handles his chips and cards. The middle position player, who has about 35 big blinds, or more than twice our stack, cuts out chips for a raise. However throws in too little for a minimum raise. So it's deemed to be a call. Uh, our correspondent uh, Stoyvin says, I think it was an honest mistake and not any kind of angling. I've played quite a bit with this player. He's loose and aggressive. And my general read on him is that he gives off sizing tells. When he has a strong hand, he usually goes big. So Stoyvin is faced with a decision here. He's holding ace-queen offsuit. There's an open in early position. And then this player to his right has acted as though they were going to make a raise, but as it happens, they've only called. So Stoyvend is now faced with this decision. What are they going to do with 14 big blinds and ace-queen offsuit? So before we go any further into the hand, I guess, panel, what are you thinking about in Stoyvend's position here? Um, there's nine left. You're on the final table. Five get paid. And there's been this weird little hiccup in the action. Uh, Rob or Kim, what, what are you thinking at this point? Um, I think we're still four away from the money. So this isn't really a true bubble situation. There's not really a lot of ICM involved. We should be trying to grow our stack at this mm -hmm. point. I think that if this was a, a true uh, open and call, now we have to look at the fact that this is an under-the-gum player. But our correspondent thinks that that player is fairly weak. 
but we do have to think that they have an under the gun opening range. So if it was an under the gun raise and just a call, flat call, I think that you're probably shoving ace queen off suit most of the time, but not necessarily all of the time. Um, I think sometimes you're just calling with it and sometimes you're just folding it. I think that knowing that that player was going to raise, and I think I don't, I don't know this. I don't have HR Hold'em resources calculator up or anything, but I think if you put all of this in um, under the gun raise plus a three bet, like assume that it was going to be a three bet, how is your ace king queen offsuit doing versus that range? And here I think it might be a, a fold just because um, we can just wait for a better, clearer spot to get our money in. And that would be my opinion. I don't know. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, the first first thing I thought of is I wish I knew how many chips the under-the-gun player had. Mm. Um, and again, under-the-gun usually is a stronger opening range. Now, if someone's going to raise from a 35 big blind stack, that means they're going to be putting in probably seven to eight big blinds, right? So that's a very significant portion. That's a quarter of their stack. So if, you know, he made a mistake by not putting in enough for a raise. Um, so do we know that that's not an angle? I mean, he says it might not have been, but um, it very well could have been. But it, it indicates a lot of strength either way. And we don't really know what other the other chip stacks are at the table. But to Kim's point, we're not really in an ICM situation yet. We're really in a chip accumulation portion of the tournament, right? We're just trying to accumulate chips to do us uh, so that when we do get to that money bubble and into the bubble or into the money itself, that we have some ammunition. Um, she mentioned that you know she didn't know what the equities were. Well, I think I, I ran the equities here on if if the if he was against a range of fives plus ace queen suited plus and ace queen offsuit plus, um, he's got about a forty percent. You know, he's got about forty percent equity. So normally in this situation, I would say, yeah, you should be jamming with ace queen, uh, but because of the circumstances and the you know, unknowing, you know, what the under the gun range really really looks like. And what is this guy doing that <laughs> tried to raise and didn't quite do it um, with, you know, again, would be almost a quarter of his stack. I would, I might be nitty enough to fold ace queen in this spot. I guess one player, I'm not really that concerned. I'm just going to get it in. But against two potential players, and I'm going to assume they both have us covered, it's like, well, uh, now I'm risking my tournament life against two hands as opposed to just one. And, and two hands with virtually uncapped ranges as well, right? Like that early position player, all they've done is open. So they've got all the best hands. And this player, I think the real key for us is that this this is like a weird angle to shoot. It's like the It's like the anti-angle. This, like... Usually when you see is people accidentally making really big bets or raises with really strong hands. Um, you don't usually see people like pretending to raise, but actually confining themselves to a call 
uh, with really strong hands in the same way. Kim, do you have something to jump well, in there? I, I have seen it and employed it myself a fair amount in in live tournaments when I have a hand like ace king and there's a shoving stack on my left because now we can by flatting we can induce a shove and in our original razor and then we get also get the benefit of seeing what our original razor does right so you know you can do that with a lot of hands that you're instead of raising think i'm think i'm going to raise but now i'm going to call instead Yes. And and I think the difference here is that he actually put chips in and it was just, it was, it was not the right amount of chips. So like what you're, I think Kim, I don't want, so he was trying to raise. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was trying. We think he was trying to raise as opposed to just smooth calling instead of raising with like a trappy hand, which I think makes total sense to do from time to time. Right. Uh, And that's that's not an angle. Like there's nothing, it's not an angle to just call uh, under repping your hand hoping that someone's going to shove behind. Uh, but it's this weird action where they've put in chips as though it's a raise, but then the house, then the floor says, Oh, that's not enough. So it has to play as a call. Right. It's, it's, it's kind of sets this weird. Cause if I'm, if I'm to this player's left, if I'm in uh Stoyvin's position, I'm thinking like this player has now demonstrated the strength of their hand to be a very strong hand, but has been, you know, like disallowed to put more chips in the middle. So for me, I would be thinking, I would be thinking, you know, this is, this is a stronger range than would typically be expressed through a call. So Rob, when you did that, uh, that calculation, did you put a three betting range in there or did you put a flat calling range in there? Well, I just put a, a range of the, what the under the gun might ha- continue with. And what one what the middle position might be per, doing what he was doing with like raising like a raising range right right so you I, we like still I said have... I had I had fives plus ace queen suited plus and ace queen offsuit plus so a very tight range for the under the gun just in general I just had right. one one against I, the ace queen because right. one so or the other we... of them are going to have those are, yeah, those right, hands right. in his range. <laughs> So if you put three players in though in that and you tighten the middle position players range to be more of a three betting range versus an under the gun player, like I'm assuming that would decrease our equity a fair amount. Yeah, that would make sense. If they're three betting an even tighter range. If we add a third player into it instead of just going a range of both of them together versus our range. So what range would you like? Tens plus ace kings? Right. And you're doing three players, right? I'll add this guy and he'll be the right. third player. So I would say uh, if he's fairly loose and aggressive, I would say eights plus, uh, ace jack suited plus, ace queen offsuit plus maybe. Because he's still being loose and aggressive doesn't mean you're reckless versus an under the gun player. I mean, you need more information. I mean, he may be targeting an under-the-gun player because this player's weak. We don't know. We don't have that information. Yeah, so against those two ranges, uh, ace-queen is sitting at about 23% Mm -hmm. equity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, and the thing I I was thinking about, too, is we had a conversation the other day about um, 
min raising over an open, but that was when the guy had open shoved. We talked about oh, a min raise yes. as opposed to an isolation. So it was almost kind of like if he raises, he's kind of like isolating the under the gun player, mm-hmm. right? So he should have a hand good enough that he wants to isolate against an under the gun range. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. So, right. so one of the things that I think we should talk about a little is, and, and Stoyvin says here, so without spoiling the hand says clearly it was a mistake to not consider the range of the middle position player after he tried to min raise. Um, but what would his range be for min raising and should I have folded uh, blah, blah, blah. We'll get into the rest of that afterwards. So, and that is Rob, like you're getting at right now. What is, what is the range of hands that that player chooses to make a small raise against the imposition player? And I think that's probably going to be a pretty strong range like that, that mm-hmm. we are talking about. Um, well, the piece of information that we really don't have is what are the chip stacks at the table? Yeah. Is 35 big blinds, is that the biggest chip stack at the table? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, is what is the average chip stack? I don't know. That would have a big bearing on how, you know, how much I would um, consider raising or three betting over and under the gun open. Yeah. And that's a good note to our correspondent here, uh, Stoyvind. And this is this is true for all of us recreational players, which is that we should be recording more details about these hands, especially if we're going to post them uh, to the forums or to talk about them with our friends. It, it, it's still helpful to have this conversation with the details that are here, but stacks are so important. Um, if you can mm-hmm. tell people what the actual stacks are for the players at the table, and you know if they're in final mm-hmm. table situations like this, what are the short stacks? too uh, because that's going to make a big difference in how aggressive or how passive we choose to play a wide portion of our of our range at all um and then yeah and i think to me when i when i see this sort of action this this false raise this raise that is now a call um that just sets off alarm bells in my mind that makes me feel like this this is this is not a weak range that's taking that action so that would incline me even to maybe just muck in a hand as strong as ace queen. I mean, th- th- you could technically just call here for two and a half big blinds off a of 14 big blind stack and just hope that no one else is going to raise that the under the gun player won't reopen the act. Oh no, they can't reopen the action. So it would just be someone raising behind you that you'd be. And we're going to have position in the hand post yeah. off as well. Yeah, I think there's a big difference here as well between ace queen offsuit and ace queen suited. Mm-hmm. I think we're much more likely to be willing to get it in with ace queen suited or mm-hmm. even play ace queen suited as yeah. a, as even a call. And let's talk about that for a sec. Cause I'm, I'm always torn between these two. Sometimes I feel like, well, ace queen suited is more flop dependent. So I should call with it. But then other times I think, yeah, but it's got 3% more equity. So I should shove with it um, as opposed to ace king, ace queen offsuit. So a lot of it comes down to how deep you are. Um, you can't, you know, it's probably, it's a better shoving hand when you're short because you get to realize all that equity. It's a better calling hand when you're deep because you get to actually play it post-flop. How, how do you guys deal with that when you're dealing with which ones do I shove or which ones do I call? How do you think about that? Well, like in this kind of uh, situation where you're right on the border here, whether we want to fold or shove this hand, that may tip me. Mm-hmm. That it's suited, it might tip me 
to shove this hand. Um, that's all. Mm-hmm. That's how I would play it. You know, when it, when it comes to ace queen, you know, we talk, we had a little conversation about this earlier about you never want to lose your stack with ace queen, right? <laughs> right. Because yeah. it's just, it's just, uh. <laughs> so a lot of times what I'll look at is if I have ace queen offsuit, that would be a hand that I'd be more liable to three bet. Yep. And I would be more like liable to call uh, from late position with ace queen suited because it plays better post flop. Mm-hmm. So but in this case, you only have got 14 big blinds. So you're, you know, you're either calling or shoving with either of those iterations of ace queen right now. Right. Um, so I, you know, I think to Kim's point, if it was suited, I might feel better about shoving it here. Um, but I think I like a call. I think mm-hmm. I like a call here in this spot just to, I mean, you're at, you're at the point, if you happen to hit big, you could make some money. And if you don't, you still got, you know, 11 and a half, you guess still got over 10 big blinds to see the next hand with. And in, in a vacuum, when we don't have any information on the under the gun player, um, except that he's possibly inexperienced. Um, I, and and, and if the middle position was a clear call, then I think that it's a lot easier to shove this hand. Mm-hmm. Like Rob had said earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, if it just went open call in an unconventional fashion and we get a chance to squeeze 14 big blinds with ace queen, it's a race. <laughs> get those yeah. chips in the, you're going to see friction marks on the, Yeah, exactly. It's going to burn its way into the middle there. So that it really is like this break check. Uh, by Let's this talk player. about our range to do mm-hmm. for the listeners. Yeah. Great idea, Kim. What uh, what we want to do that with with fourteen big blinds in the cutoff? Now we don't like Rob said know the chip the stack sizes right of the rest of the people at the table, but I'm assuming that we're one of the lower chip stacks. I think so, so too. With fourteen big blinds, so what is our range with an under the gun open, a middle position flat? Uh, what is our uh, mm. shoving range with fourteen big blinds in the cutoff? What's everybody's shoving range? I'm just, you know, in a vacuum. I wish I, yeah, I wish I knew what the chip stack was of the under the gun player. Yeah. Because his range is going to depend a lot on his chip stack, right? That's true. And how now, much does now, it hurt to lose 14 big blinds out of his stack, right? Right. Now, well, let's give him that, 35. Yeah, I was going to say the fact that he just opened and didn't open jam from under the gun means that he probably had probably over 20 big blinds. Yep, maybe 25, 30 big blinds. So let's, if we assume that, then his range is going to be, you know, it's not going to be that tight. I mean, it's going to be tighter, but it's not going to be that tight. So I think, let me just throw this out there. I think tens plus an ace king, a jam, has a steal. I'm probably even lighter than that. I was thinking Um, like eights and maybe as low as like ace jack suited. Um, yeah. but that's in, in that, in that territory. Yeah. What, but I'm an old net. Stu, what are you <laughs> saying? <laughs> Stu, what are you, what are you shoving there? Approximately. Yeah, I was right. saying tens plus, but you're probably right. Like, what are you waiting for? Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and this is from the, from the money. Yeah. And this is in the world where it's just gone bet call. There hasn't been this weird action. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Kim, what do you think? What's your range there? Uh, probably any pair. Hmm. Uh, because I'm squeezing, I'm just trying to get a fold yeah, or have one yeah. 
be against one player. So probably I can I can squeeze I can squeeze deuces and get threes, fours, five, sixes, yep. and maybe sevens to fall. Yep, that's true. Right. So um I'm probably probably any pair. Um and then probably ace ten offsuit, king queen offsuit, and probably suited aces to down to ace nine maybe. So that's a pretty robust and then king, range. King like queen king queen yeah. suited king jack suited. Um, yep. If if I think this is a table where I can get a, a fold a high percentage of the time. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that, I mean, that's a lot of combos when you consider that once this player does this break check here, um, that now we're considering just open folding, uh, ace queen. That's with us. That's not with this scenario. Yes. That's yes. With yes. A scenario yes. of a, of a call. Right? Yeah. So, so it just goes to show how much of a difference it makes when we see this person, exp- you know, tell us that they have a very strong range because that's the difference between us squeezing and us basically facing a cold three bet. Right. Now that's if I'm the bottom in stacks. If I have, right. if there's three stacks at this table that are shorter than me, I'm probably not doing it that wide. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's so. why it's more fun to be the short stack, everybody. <laughs> it's way more fun to be the short stack. You get to get frisky all the time, get those chips in the middle realize that equity so one of the things when you're at a live tournament and you're trying to record a hand just you can you can step away from the table and like speak into your phone and say Mm. something or i use the hand history um keyboard which Mm -hmm. is a downloadable keyboard for um both android and uh, ios and it is makes it easier to record a hand and sometimes if I'm really caught up in a big hand, I'll just snap a quick picture of the ta- of the board mm. of how it's come out if I want to discuss a hand. And then I've got, because sometimes I'll be talking, I think it was a six on the turn. I'm not sure. It could have been a five. I know it was red. <laughs> so it was like, so then I'll, so just, it's just really important to have a really good, if we're going to dissect a hand to just have all the information you can you, you can have. Um, we don't need to know stack sizes at the table when your head's up in a hand with somebody else and it's the middle of a tournament. Yeah. But when we're in this sort of scenario where we're final table of a tournament, it's pretty important to know the stack sizes. And it also just makes you a better, uh, it makes you better at rec- at just remembering the details, recording the details. It'll make it, uh, it'll make for a better strategy conversations with your friends too. Just uh, train your There's a interesting fact. If... We use a GTO uh, under the gun open at 25 big blinds. And we assume that the middle position player just called. So his range is going to be that much wider. Now we're going to steal and we're expecting we're only going to get a call. If we get a call at all, it's probably going to be from the end of the gun player. The middle position player would have raised if he was stronger. So we're going to assume that he's not going to want to call. We at that point in time we have fifty three percent equity against that range with ace queen off. So, yeah, I think if if we saw just an open and a call, a steal is definitely the way to go and to jam all in. 
Yeah. Yep. Slam dunk. Yep. I agree. Yeah. It's amazing how much, it, no, it's just amazing how much it changes when you know that that person wanted to three bet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you trust that. Mm-hmm. And right. it just goes to show folks like pay attention, pay attention. And not even when you're in the hand, like it's obviously more important when you're in the hand, but pay attention at the table before you act, look to your left. Do the people to your left look like they're excited to play the hand or are they just waiting to fold? That's like free information that's available for you when you choose to how to proceed. And, you know, we all make these little careless mistakes where we're just not paying attention. We've all done it. The player to their right has taken an action and we just think it's folded to us. And, um, you know, we make the wrong bet size or we say a raise when we meant call or something like that. Um, sometimes it's just a little careless mistake, but sometimes we're actually giving out information about our hand that is normally private information. We should try and keep that information private. Right. So, yeah. So for me, it, it it's a pretty, it's a, it's a pretty critical point that this player wanted to raise and couldn't. And so what ends up happening was a Stoyvind says, I go all in without thinking more about it. The under the gun player folds and the middle position player uh, calls and we don't get results, but um, the Stoyvin says that he had a sizing tell, but when the player open raises, when they open raise larger, it's with a strong hand. And when they open raise smaller, it's with a weaker hand. So Stoyvin is asking, should he also pay attention to this tell when it comes to three betting? Because uh, the fact that he was counting out a min raise made Stoyvin think that maybe it was a pretty weak uh, holding. And I don't know if that's true or not. I'm sure that's mostly stack dependent if this player is a thinking player. I think three betting already expresses a pretty strong range. So the sizing is less important than the action in this case. And I think the action that he tried to take should have told us that that he has a strong a stronger hand. All right. I agree with that. All right. 100%. All right. Well, Stoyvin, thank you so much for uh, writing in. I hope it's not the last chance that we get to hear from you. And um, I guess I would just like to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. And of course, website AMP. And uh, John and Stu and Kim and Rob for joining me in the chat tonight. And for everybody who helped out in the forums. And to you, the listeners, thank you so much. And we will see you again real soon.